Hi, welcome to the cottage. We are a lively outpouring of an exciting adventure into God's riches and glories in Christ Jesus. We really work to activate an excitement for the kingdom of God as it is in the now until it comes into its fullness. We invite you to our sessions to explore the heights and depths of God's love in a fuller bandwidth. I'm Dr. Ken, the pastor of a small independent church seeking to return to the Lord's zeal in times where apathy and lethargy rule the day of the complacent. We try to shake things up and offer a temporary home as we travel this sod until we reach higher ground and connect into the everlasting life from above, here on the earth as it is in heaven. For more information, you can email us at thecottage at dken.cc. That is thecottage at dken.cc. Hi, welcome back to The Cottage. We're continuing our Sacred Spaces series with part four today. Last time we began with Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. Today we go back and revisit in this episode Hebrews 9, 1 and the phrase, a worldly sanctuary, to continue discussing sacred spaces in the Bible. We hope you enjoy we had a little technical difficulty with our connection, so I'm going to do direct this morning. And those of you who uh, don't know, we're in part four, actually, of our <laughs> sanctuary, uh, sacred spaces in the Bible series. We've been talking about those. And so we're going to continue this morning, and we're going to launch off of what we talked about in Sunday school. So uh, now, again, it'd be a little bit difficult for you to take someone out or even to listen to the audio because we did a lot of visual aids in the Sunday school message to set this up to hopefully help you to see what's going on. And I want to explore something. So we've been talking about sacred space. And what is sacred space? For those of you who've been missing out on this series to catch you up, basically sacred space is where the earthly mirrors the heavenly. These are touch points where we experience heaven on earth, where God's presence is in our midst. And we talked about this somewhat as we mapped it out in Hebrews chapter 9 in our Sunday school lessons. So let's go back to Hebrews 9 verses 1 through 5 and go through that again for those of you in Sunday school and for those of you who missed it so that you can understand what we're talking about. Hebrews 9 verses 1 through 5. Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. Hmm. For there was a tabernacle made, for the first, wherein was the candlestick, the table, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. After that, the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the Holy Saul, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables, of the, the tables, the tablets of the covenant, and over it the cherubims, of glory shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly. And I don't have time to review Sunday school. That's why I did it in Sunday school. I can't speak particularly of these things. So I only have time to cover one thing in this passage this morning. And that's this concept of worldly sanctuary. Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. Why? Is Hebrews calling that sanctuary that we talked about in Sunday school 
where Moses went to the mountain, then the Jews believe Moses actually went to heaven and saw heaven. And God said, here, I want you to now make a model of what you see here. And then I will go with you. And whenever you stop and I tell you to stop, you set this up and then I will be with you. Just as I'm in heaven, I'm going to be with you. You're my people. Just as I have a heavenly family, you're my earthly family, and I'm going to be with you, and I want you to build me a place that I can come. Uh, I don't know if you could say it's God's Airbnb. I don't know, but he's, he comes down to stay with us. He's living with us. and we've, we've, we've dealt with this. We've gone through this, how Jesus comes down and, and in the flesh, and he models us. We've dealt with this. So I'm going to try to review some of that this morning with you, but to understand that God wants to be with us. He's God Emmanuel. And this has so many implications that, again, I can't speak of all those things. There's so much I like to speak on here, and I got to limit myself because there's vast things going on here. So let's look at Galatians chapter 4, verses 3 through 7 to help us unpack this worldly sanctuary. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 3 through 7, it says, Even so, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem that were under the law, that he might receive adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. There you go, Rose. The Spirit has sent into your hearts. Therefore, we as God's children can cry out as a Hebrew child would to their father, Abba. My children, if I was Nepali, would call me Buba. Buba. But since that's also, he's also Buba because he's my Buba. But since he's my father, he's also still their father. So they could call him, but you'd be Hajar Buba. I'm Buba in here, or Hajar Buba, if I got it right. But they usually call their grandfather over there Buba, and then I'm Daddy, because they know English. And they know Daddy knows English better, so they call me Daddy. Abba! Abba, Father! Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. We used to be under this old ways and Paul used to be under the old ways and Hebrew is talking about the old things and how they had to do it for God to be able to express himself to those people he had to limit himself to that tent that we showed you in Sunday school last week and this week so if you're missing Sunday school you're missing a lot because they set up these messages. So that tabernacle that we showed you pictures of. And we went inside. Did an x-ray machine. And went inside to see inside the tabernacle. That's the old thing. But Christ, according to the author of Hebrews, has come to do something even better. Something better. And we are now children because his Spirit has come inside of us. Now, I don't know, Larry, if you're going to be able to make it tonight. I don't know if you can snag Rose tonight because I'm really going to get into this. The Spirit coming inside tonight. Okay, this idea to redeem that we're under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you're sons, God sent forth his, the Spirit of His Son. God sent the Spirit of His Son. Isn't that amazing? 
There's the Trinity right there. God the Father, God the Son, and it's whose spirit? It's the spirit of the Son, but it's God's spirit. Amazing. Into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. And we're no longer servants. We are family. Going back to what we did on Easter Sunday. We are family. And we're heirs through Christ. He's our big brother. Galatians 4.9 goes on. But now, after you've known God, or rather, are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto you desire to be in bondage. Why would you want to go back to your old ways and go back to those old things? And some people might be asking this question about this whole series I'm doing. Why are we going back to those parts of the Bible that are old and we don't read them anymore? Well, I'm letting you know. Why would you turn to these things? These old elements that used to rule you. And in here, Paul has put in place the powers that we were talking about that Christ was dealing with at Bashan. These are those old powers, those old elements, those old things. And you that were not Jews, not under Moses, but you that were pagans, and worshipped all these other gods, why would you then go after all these other gods? These things that ruled you before. Don't go back to them. No, we've got something far greater. And I've been trying to help you understand. I want to peel away. This is so layered. It's like peeling away the layers of an onion or peeling away to get all the flesh off and get down to the fruit and discarding the seeds and getting to the really good tasty stuff. But it takes time, just like my wife takes time to cut and clip all the vegetables after she's had to go get them out of the ground and wash them and cut and clip and do finally and cook them over a fire. It takes time. Let's go to Exodus 26, 33 to understand this. And thou shalt hang up the veil under the tatches that thou mayest bring in thither within the veil the ark of the testimony and the veil shall divide unto you between the holy place and the most holy place. This is what we talked about in Sunday school. There are two special places inside this tent and there's a separation of that veil between these two places. Now what's he talking about? Worldly sanctuary. I'm trying to set you up so you can understand what he means in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 1 about a worldly sanctuary. He's setting it up because it models the connection. This place that God established was a connection point between heaven and earth. And it represented God on his throne and his feet would come down and rest on the ark. And that was the idea that we enter through that most holy place. We enter into the actual sanctuary of God up there. And so you have the division between these two things. And if you try to put together what I've been teaching already in these few parts that we've done, and we'll continue exploring this more and more. But there's that dividing veil. It's the second veil he talked about in Hebrews 9 that separates the most holy place, the holy of holies, and just the regular holy place. And we talked in Sunday school about the different nuances between places being holy. He goes on in Hebrews 10.1. And this is going to be important as we move forward. Hebrews 10.1 For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things. This is, I want you to get this. If you're not going to write anything down, write down Hebrews 10.1. Hebrews 10.1 The law was the shadow of good things to come. But it's not the very image. It's not the image. 
But it's just a shadow. A shadow of what's coming. That's what the law was, a shadow. But it's not the very image. Now, what's the, the word image here in Hebrews 10.1? Image is the word icon. Are you familiar with icons? In our English word, icon. We're going to dig into this tonight. Icons. I want to dig into this. Because he says that the law, having a shadow of good things to come, but it was just a shadow. It was just a foretaste. I'm just, it's in the shadow. In other words, as you get closer and closer to the light source, you see the shadows. But the closer you get, the shadows go away. You take the photo in a dark room and you put it in the chemicals and you get the image. You're in process of getting. It's, God is, through the law, he's developing the image. It's being developed, but it's not the image yet. But I want to get to the very image. That's where we're going with the law. So if we want to understand the good things that have come, we start with the shadow. You can see someone coming around the corner. You can see their shadow. They're coming. You can't see them, but you, you can tell they're coming because you see the shadow. And right here, Hebrews is prophesying that this shadow of things good to come, the law is just showing us the shadow that is coming. You can tell by the shadow. And good things are coming. But it was not the very image, the very icon. Let's look at uh, Colossians 2.17. Just so you know that this is not something I'm pulling out of one verse of the Bible. Again, talking about these things, these elements in the past were only shadows. Only shades of what we're talking about, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Before those things were a shadow of the good things to come, those elements and those things that they did were to get you in place for receiving Christ? No. Colossians is crazy here. It says not Christ, but Colossians is after the body. Of all the ancient religions, nobody was concerned about the body. Only the Jews and the Christians. Nobody was concerned about the body. They want to get rid of the body. It's like this is the worst thing ever. I get tired. I have all this pain. I, just, I always tell everybody I'm getting there, Mom. The glory's coming. The Bible says I'm going to be glorified. Well, the glory's coming. It's coming. The light is starting to sh- slowly shine. We want to just peel off this body and get rid of this thing and get, you know, because the body, but, but here, Christianity is all about, Jesus didn't die and he's not some spirit somewhere. He's got a body. He eats fish. We talked about those fish. You missed it. The 153 fish, right? Remember that? Are we supposed to have a fish fry? Oh, no. That's a lot of work. Just kidding. Churches do fish fries, right? Because that's what Jesus cooked. He cooked fish. Don't know of anything else he cooked up, but he cooked fish. And bread. I always tease my Asians. Jesus was into bread, not rice. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln is noted saying, a man's character is like a tree and his reputation like its shadow. The shadow is what we think of it, but the tree is the real thing. And we want to get to the real thing. These are only shadows. 
shadows telling you of what's to come. We want to get to the real thing. Last night when I got home, from, I got off the airport and I was going, the guy that gave me a ride, I was going to offer him to go out to eat. And he said, no, he's busy, but he said, I'll take you through a drive-thru and I, I got a hamburger at McDonald's. That's just a shadow. That's not, that's not real food. It was just on the way. It's just something to put in my belly so I could go home and get some rest until it was time to eat supper with my brother. It was just a shadow. It's not real food. You know, it's just a shadow. David Garland says, why play in the shadow world when you have experienced the real thing? Notice this question. When you have experienced past tense, the real thing. What is he trying to imply here? He's trying to let you know that Hebrews is saying that which Moses did was a shadow of good things to come, but we keep looking for Jesus to come, but Colossians said, no, the body. What I'm trying to tell you is we can experience some of the good news now. Not just what's coming, but what's already came. The one who was Moses, the one who will come, but now, the God who is now. I'm trying to deal with that. I'm trying to help you understand that the law was the shadow. We're not in the shadow. We're supposed to be the light of the world. We're not supposed to be the shadow. There's something that we can experience now in the gospel that's exciting that is heaven on earth. Moses was the shadow. But when Jesus came and called us his body, that's the very image that the law was not. But you and I are. Isaiah 6.3. Isaiah 6.3. We've been to Isaiah 6 before. We've talked about that briefly. Those, those seraphims, the cherubims that we saw in Sunday school. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now we talked about the holy place, Right? And we talked about the most holy place. But there's something even holier than that. And that's what Isaiah was experiencing. Isaiah is not in the temple. He's not with the priest. And he's not in the temple in Jerusalem. No, Isaiah has gone to, from the holy place to the most holy place to <laughs> heaven itself in this vision. So he's not holy He's not holier. No, Isaiah is experiencing holiest in the highest sense. Isaiah is experiencing that. And what does this spiritual being that does have wings but is not an angel? Sorry, Mom. Her sister loves it. She listens to these messages. She says, I can't believe you picked on your mom. Angels have no wings. That's why most people, when they order chicken, they don't want the wings. Just give me the breast. Just give me the breast. I don't want the wings. The whole earth is to be full of his glory. Now, we showed you in Sunday school the different levels of holiness on earth. But God wants the whole earth 
full of his glory. And that's what's coming. But he's got us in charge, just like Adam and Eve. I want you to take what's in Eden, and I want you to go outside of what's in here and take it out there. Until the whole earth is full of my glory. That's what I want. I want it all to experience the fullness of God's holiness. Backing up to verse 1, we're in Isaiah 6, 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and the train, his train, filled the temple. Wait a minute. The whole earth is full of his glory. His train filled the temple. Earth, temple. What did Hebrews 9.1 say? A worldly sanctuary. The whole earth is full of his glory. His train, his entree, his holiness, his robe, his, those holy garments. How do you describe God? In other words, what's full? The earth. But what's full? The temple. Therefore, the earth and the temple, they are the same thing in Isaiah. And that's what's spilling out from there down to here in that tabernacle, in that temple, and spills out here in this building and goes out and floods the streets. The connection point here of what God is doing. Numbers 14, 21. But as true as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. This is what God wants. He wants the whole earth full of his glory. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. How the realms correspond to the temple and how the temple and the earth and how it all meets in those pictures I've been showing you. And blessed be his glorious name forever and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Psalm 72, 19. The whole earth is full of God's glory. That's what he's called us to do. That's what he's called us to do. How can we be a part of this mission for God to fill the whole earth full of his glory? How's he going to do that? Again, I can't help myself. I got to take a pause here. So many times, so many people want to talk about when we all get to heaven, what a glorious day that will be. We want to talk about then. Now faith is. God wants to talk about now. There's something that needs to be happening now. The shadow was Moses. We're not the shadow. We're the good thing that God said was coming. We are the body of Christ. And you've got to understand this. Because if you're going to sit with the remote and put it on pause, that's not what God's plan is. And wait until... I'm waiting for Jesus to come and he'll fix everything. But God is waiting on us to be a part of his mission, to do something in the now, even as the not yet is coming. 
I'm not denying what's coming. I'm not denying the greatness of what's coming. But I'm scared that in the process of us looking so much at what's coming is we miss what God is doing right now. And I don't want to miss that. This life is so hard. Why? Because everything in this world and all the powers are trying their desperate best to stop us and stop God from filling the whole earth with his glory. They're trying desperately to stop. They're trying to shut us down in every which way they can. This whole pandemic, this whole idea of, the, of depression and all the mental issues that are taxing us. It's a global rejection of the glory of God. Trying to oppress us into utter spiritual darkness. And yet God has called us to be the light of this world. And even if you got just a flicker, that little flicker can be seen for a long way off in great darkness. The darker it gets, the brighter you become. But God wants to use us to light up this world with his glory. Yes, he's coming, but <laughs> he's already here. Hello, Christians. You're Christ to this world. He's already here. So go open the eyes of the blind. Help those lame, stuck as potato couches or whatever, help them lame walk into this building. Help the blind see Jesus. Help the deaf hear his word. By helping them see that Christ is here already. Ready, willing, and able to help them with whatever they're going through. To give them that hope. That we can experience heaven here upon the earth. That's what he told us to pray for. Here upon the earth as it is in heaven. Here upon the earth. Vance Havner says it this way. The early believers were not looking for something to happen. I want you to get this. The early church. The people who wrote your New Testament. Hello! The first ones that were with Jesus. They were not looking for something to happen. They were looking for someone to come. Looking for the train that has arrived is one thing. But looking for someone we love to come on that train is another matter. And I can experience this truly greatly. We keep talking about this thing that's going to happen. It's not the thing that matters. It's the who that's coming. But he's already here. He's already given us a connection to him. That's why I don't do systems of theology. Because systems of theology are confusing to me. That's not what God has called me to do. He's called other people to do systems. But they develop these things. And I'm not looking for things. I'm looking for the one that's coming. But the one that's coming has already said in Colossians 2. That those who are shadow to come... But the image is the body of Christ. Now we're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to go into that in deep tonight. Because I'm out of time. We're going to dive into this idea of the body of Christ as the image. If all that went before was a shadow. And the real thing is Jesus. And we are the body of Christ. How, what does that mean when we're the image? And I want to dive into 
what Rose talked about in Sunday school, before Sunday school, to help you understand this of what the Bible is saying. I promised you that when you asked me to be here, that I'd be as faithful to the text as possible. I will do my best to be faithful to the text. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to understand. I'm grappling just like you are. I'm struggling just like you. I'm going through all kinds of things just like you are. I make mistakes just like you do. But I'm trying to understand the text with everything inside me and what it's trying to say. And I want you to begin to see what's happening. I don't want you to keep talking about things so much. We can talk about all kinds of things. But we need to talk about the one. We need to talk about Jesus. And he's not here yet because he trusts you and me. He has faith. The Father has faith in us. Otherwise, he'd send Jesus. It's not time yet. It's not time yet. Why? Because, yeah, he's going to close. At the end of the game, they're going to call the bullpen. And Jesus is going to come out and the game is going to be over. Hello, middle relievers! We got these innings. We got to pitch the ball. And we don't want anyone of the enemy to hit it out. Because we're trying to bring people in. He wants to knock everyone out. We're trying to bring them in. Occupy until I come. But when it's time, dad's going to grab that phone and says, all right, send him in. He's our closer. Send him in. Right now! I give you the ball. I trust you. You can do this. Oh, but this and that's going on. And oh, I don't care. I trust you. But this, I trust you. You can do this. Father God, we just thank you. Yes, you are coming and you're going to pitch the wildest closing out of this game ever. And yeah, we've had some pretty good innings before us and pretty good people that pitched before us and they did great generations that went before us and they pitched their innings and now you got us in the game. I pray that we will do what you've called us to do and be faithful, that you trust us that you have plans and strategies that we don't know, and you have grace to cover everything that we find ourselves failing in. And we are supposed to be what you designed us to be. Help us to get a picture of what it means to image you. Help us to get a picture of what it means to be you to this world. To be the Christ, the Christian. The only Christ they see until you come. We thank you and praise you for this awesome ministry, mission that you have given to us. That you've given us the ball. I pray that we will take this ball and we will give it our best until it's time for us to sit out and let the next one take over. I thank you and praise you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast. You can find out more about us at dken.cc that's d-k-e-n dot c-c we look forward to seeing you next time god bless you